It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, uh, so yeah, Louis said week three, third and final week of our series, No Offense. And we started this with a message called Stop Taking Offense, acknowledging that it is impossible to avoid inbound offense. For example, yesterday morning, up early, doing some errands. I borrowed the Louis Mobile. I'm out in the wild, driving as you do. And uh, I was in a particular suburb nearby. Need to turn right, so pull into the, the turning lane at the traffic lights. And there's a guy there with his sign telling you know the world he's homeless. Fair enough. Um, had his mask on, even though he's outdoors, so I give him props for that. And uh, light's red, you know, the turning arrow's red. So I grabbed my, my little... Um, Merce and uh, whipped out some notes and I'm handing them to him and he's like, oh, thank you so much. God bless you, God bless you. While he's in the middle of God blessing me, the light turned green and the car behind me, whilst I'm handing a homeless man a chunk of, of, of cash, toots me to tell me to get moving because the light's green. And I thought to myself in that moment, if ever there was a justifiable opportunity for road rage, something that Jesus would pre-forgive me for, this was it. So I opened the door of the Louis Mobile and I proceeded to walk fast towards the tutor. No, I didn't do that. I just drove off. Because it's like, you know, we said this in week one. It's actually a goal and even potentially achievable to become unoffendable. Just to be like, really? Nah, I'm just gonna get on with my life. In fact, I'm thinking to myself as I'm looking in the rear view mirror, aren't you embarrassed? And then I didn't give it another thought. Last week, we talked about dealing with those people, the other people, the people, the wrong people, the ones that, have a different perspective from us and actually explored whether it's possible to disagree well. To, that the disagreement doesn't have to be destructive to you, to the relationship, to your workplace, to your family, and so on. So you can go back and listen to them if you've missed them. But acknowledging that those two messages really uh, drew on the principle that it's better to have a fence at the top of the hill than need an ambulance at the bottom. I mean, we can illustrate it. It's pretty, it's, it's kind of, you know, one verse two, like better to have a fence at the top of the hill than an ambulance at the bottom, which is actually a life principle. It's a leadership principle. It's a life principle. Uh, it's about pre-deciding. It's about setting up uh, boundaries that are gonna stop you falling. However, I am aware that in the case of offense and, and, and so on, that some of you may have already fallen off the hill. And so hopefully the first two weeks messages will help prevent that happening in the future. But what I wanna talk about today is what to do when bitterness takes over. And this message is very much a companion message to 
uh, series we taught last year called Don't Take the Bait, the second week of that series. This is the companion message uh, to that. If you've got your Bible app or your Bible, Louis had a paper Bible today, very impressive, very, very, very. Uh, pop it open to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, this is the context. This is a letter that was written to the Jewish Jesus followers, which were the majority of the Jesus followers in the first 50 years of the church uh, were Jewish. So the, the name of the book is Hebrews, written to like the, the Jewish church. And they were very much the minority. They would have been the minority in their towns, in their villages, in their cities. They would have been the minority. In, in fact, almost like, like looked down on minority, like the, the wrong ones. You, you think Jesus was the one we've been waiting for, but we don't think, the, re, the rest of the Jewish community don't think he is. So this was kind of hard going for them. And in fact, this letter, and we don't know who the author was, but this letter was written to them in a time where they were about to throw in the towel. That's kind of what things had come to. So it was very um, much a, 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 an encouragement instruction, you know, how, this, how, how can you keep following Jesus? And so the author includes this instruction to them and it's, it's at least as true today, if not more true today. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Very intentional choice of words here. The writer didn't say, watch out that no bitterness grows up. He actually gives this word picture, watch out that no root of bitterness grows up. And the thing about roots when it comes to the horticultural world is we, don't, we can't see them. Like you, you, you don't see them, but, but what you do see are the shoots, the things above ground, the thing that the roots are ultimately giving energy to, expressing to the world. And if you have the root of bitterness established in your life, then that's gonna, that's gonna come out. That's gonna work its way out. That's gonna be the reason and the explanation why sometimes you say things or think things or do things that, that, that are kind of edgy, that are kind of like toxic. And, and after you think them or after you say them, you, you, you maybe even find yourself thinking to yourself, man, I... Why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Look, I'm just, I need to stop that. I need to stop thinking that. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop saying that. The problem with that kind of shutdown approach is it addresses the shoots, but it doesn't give any attention to the roots, which is ultimately where the focus needs to go. And, you know, I have some experience with this. Uh, the last two weeks, I, I shared uh, some stories of uh, what I think I'll describe as our negligent neighbours over our back fence who have a particular tree, quite a sizable tree, that occasionally drops a branch onto our side. You can go back and listen to them, that's fine. Jared was platform leading, one of our team, last week, and he threw out the challenge to me, whether I could work that, the neighbours and that tree into today's message, like three in a row. But I can't. Well, not the tree at least, but the neighbours, yes. So here goes. Three years ago, when Louis and I bought our current house and we moved in, um, 
I looked from the deck out yonder into the backyard and at the, at the very uh, fence line on our side, there was some little bamboo shoots popping up, which, you know, okay. But that wasn't the landscaping look we were going for. So I launched the mission to remove the bamboo from our property line, starting with just kind of chopping them at the ground level, ditching them. Three days later, they were back. So I had to move to phase two. Phase two involved me digging a little bit underground and chopping them, a little bit underground, chucking them away. About a week later, they were back. All right. So I moved to phase three. I called my good friend Gavin Jones, who uh, runs a gardening services business. And I later discovered that Gavin Jones smuggled in a cocktail of uh, chemicals that an environmentally friendly guy like myself would never have approved to have been brought into my property. And he, he got busy with the cocktails to try and... And he was confident, not like cocky confident, but like he thinks, you know, this, this should do the trick. He's the expert. So I thought, yeah, okay, thanks. About a month later, they were back. So I called Gavin and I said, sorry, mate, your uh, organic treatment didn't work. Um, so we went with the nuclear option. We reached out to Gavin's laborer and told him to bring a shovel and to get busy digging. And we just stood back and watched. Looked like hard work, trust me. Well, this laborer got down. He literally was what we could only see him from the waist up. He had dug that deep. And he goes, hey, boys, come and look at this. And he had dug this trench along the fence line, about a meter deep and about four meters long, five meters long. And he had discovered a bamboo root that was about 30 centimeters in diameter and about five meters long. It was like a bamboo anaconda was in my backyard. That's kind of what we were dealing with here. Now, let me, let me show you bamboo shoots. Oh, how nice. I've got nothing against bamboo, okay? So don't email me, what have you got against bamboo? No, I've got nothing against bamboo. We have bamboo chopping boards. Uh, we have some bamboo furniture. Uh, our TP is made from bamboo. That's toilet paper, people. Uh, well, we don't have any because there's none in Western Australia at the moment. But when we used to be able to buy it, uh, it was bamboo. So nothing gets bamboo. So this is the, and, this is, and in fact, the great thing about bamboo is it grows so quickly, you just chop it at the bottom and it grows back. It's almost like an infinitely renewable resource. No trees have to be chopped down. Fantastic. This is bamboo shoots. Let me show you bamboo roots. See, bamboo shoots are from God. Bamboo roots are from the devil. That is as simple as my theology gets when it comes to bamboo. bamboo. Now, this is one because the roots just go and go and go and then they send up more shoots, longer roots, more shoots. And it just, just, and this, this is when bamboo is not the landscaping approach that you're going for, this is problematic. And for us, it wasn't until we got to attacking the roots that it ultimately resolved the shoots. And this is the exact same principle when it comes to bitterness. 
that, that, that the starting point is addressing the roots. In fact, if you only address the shoots, your thinking, your behavior, your words, the stuff that's coming out that's, that's fueled by bitterness, that's hanging around, if you're only addressing the, that, it's never going to change. It's never going to stop. It's never going to be eradicated because the problem actually lies in the roots. Now, can I just, something just between us? Uh, Jared's currently in Sydney on, on business, uh, but can you text him and say, Mark Pomery nailed your challenge? Just, just, just do that now, that'd be great. Psychology Today talks about the, the, the journey that leads us to having a root of bitterness established in our lives. That, 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 and they, they uh, indicate that all bitterness starts with hurt. That the, that the jump off point was hurt. Somebody said something or did something that was offensive that hurt you. And over time, that hurt started to morph and express itself in anger and resentment. And over time, that anger and resentment started to develop a root of bitterness. And, and, and I probably don't need to tell you that if this is your story. And one of the things that the writer of Hebrews points out is that the root of bitterness negatively impacts both you and the people in your sphere. Let me read it again. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So this is both a you problem and a we problem at the same time if you have a root of bitterness in your life. And the starting point, just as it was with uh, the um, highly underpaid laborer that we brought in, the starting point for getting rid of the root was to expose it. That you had to actually identify it, know it's there and expose it for what it is. That has to be the jump off point. And if you've been living with a root of bitterness for any reasonable period of time, this may be very difficult. This may be very painful. In fact, it might even be a process. The exposing might be a process, and, and not only a process, it might even be a process that you would be well-placed to engage a professional therapist or a professional counselor to help you with. And that's great, that is a positive. Anytime some, one of our team or one of our, say, hey Mark, I've just been to counseling, or I've just, I'm like, because we have this culture where you know, counseling is for the weak. And I'm like, no, 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 counseling is for the strong. The ones that want to attack stuff head on and, and, and get past it. The ones that are saying, you know, it, that's the very thing. And, I'm, and I, in fact, I'm so strong that I'm even telling you that I'm going to counseling. And I go, yeah, man. I go, <laughs> no, it's the opposite. And you might need that. That's the reality. I'm not going to be glib and think that this 30-minute message is going to be <laughs> bundle you up and get you out of there. Regardless of how you expose it, that has to be the jump off point. Now, there is an Asian fable that talks about a monkey and a jar and a banana. And this monkey was walking around doing monkey things one day, spots a jar. Inside the jar was a banana. So the monkey thinks to himself, I would like 
eat that banana. So the jar, wide body, but thin neck. The, the monkey hand, are they called hands? Monkey's hand, I don't know. What do I look like, a zoologist to you? Monkey's hand, are they really called hands? Yes. All right, okay. Monkey's hand can fit in and out of the jar, but not when it's holding on to the banana. Now you look at this and you think to yourself, stupid monkey, you, buddy, are stuck by this situation. But the simple solution, haven't you figured it out for yourself, is just let go of the banana. Hello? You guys figured that out, right? You would have told the monkey that if, that, if you walked past, right? Like, and I don't want to oversimplify things, but this is, this is the next step. After you've exposed the root of bitterness, this is the next step. You actually have to let it go. The, the thing, the person, the hurt. The, the memory. Uh, this, in fact, this original fable was uh, directed at greed, um, but the very exact principle works for bitterness. It, that the freedom that Jesus made possible can only be experienced by letting go of the thing. And I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, but there is a principle that Jesus taught that I summarize this way. Forgiven people, forgive people. In fact, the definition of forgiveness is letting go. And forgiven people, forgive people. We let go. And I'm gonna read what Jesus told people to bring this truth out. I'm gonna read that in a moment, but before I do, let, let, me, let me address the elephant that might be in the room for some of you. It's possible if you are holding on to bitterness, it's possible that the reason that you haven't got to this place, this is some of you, I'm just, I could be wrong, but it, it's possible that, 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 that for you, the reason you haven't forgiven that person or those people is you're, you're holding out for an apology. You, you, you're waiting for them to say sorry because you, 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 you're thinking to yourself, there's some justice, at least on the surface, when they demonstrate some contrition. And you're waiting. In other words, you've given them control over your bitterness. You've actually ceded that to them because... And, and, and unless they come and apologize, sorry, no forgiveness. And then you're gonna hold on to that thing. And the longer they don't apologize, the more resentful you feel. <laughs> and this just gets deeper and, and deeper. So you're now resentful for the thing they did and resentful for the lack of apology for the thing they did. And it looks like they're just getting on with their life and you're stuck. And that's not fair either, right? So if that's the case for anybody, let me just unpack very, very quickly a couple of things. Number one, there is a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Now, reconciliation requires forgiveness, but it also requires two people, all right? You and the other person. Forgiveness doesn't require two people. 
it only requires you. It, it's the ultimate self-service thing. That even if they never say sorry, you can take back that part of your heart, that part of your life, uh, and, you, and never reconcile. And it's like, well, would, would it be nice? Maybe, but maybe not. And if that is your situation, you're ready to forgive, even though the apology hasn't come in. Uh, let me show you something that Dr. Caroline Leaf teaches. Now, she's like my go-to resource for things around mental health and so on and so forth. Highly recommend her uh, books. Follow, give her a follow on the gram. Brilliant. Dr. Caroline Leaf. She gives a few um, instructional kind of, they're not tips, they're like more than tips. Things? Strategies. Strategies. There it is. Yep. All right. Good. I like that on what to do if you're actually ready to forgive somebody that hasn't given you an apology. Let me, let me show you what they are really, really quickly. Let me, here's the first one. Don't try to suppress or say it's okay when it's not. If what they said or did wasn't okay, make sure you, yep, no, that, that was not okay. Recognize and honor your hurt and pain. This is, the, this is that sort of exposing, getting to the root of it and the reality of it. Here's the next thing that she next strategy that she instructs, figure out what boundaries you need to put up and enforce. This is the fence at the top of the hill. This is the, I'm not actually going to allow them to say that again. I'm not going to actually allow them to do that. I'm not gonna put myself in that position again or if and when I'm confronted with that type of words or behavior, I, I am going to say to that person, and this is Louis' go-to, it's not okay to speak to me that way. And if they don't honor your boundary, you walk away. And then the third thing she teaches for a strategy is forgiving them doesn't require they apologize and it doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiving means their actions don't control your emotions, mental health, and happiness level. This is great, huh? Now, just so you know, this slide deck for each week's message is actually put on our website, elevatechurch.me. So these points, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful, uh, these will be on the slide deck on our website so you can poke around and grab that. Let me read, just, I'm just gonna read it. I'm not even gonna unpack it because it kind of <laughs> speaks for itself. This is what Jesus taught to a group of people to make the point that forgiven people or to make the point that he has an expectation and offers up some empowerment of how forgiven people can forgive people. At that point, you can read what point that was. Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven, which was like the, the, the requirement or the expectation in Judaism. Seven, you don't have to forgive them an eighth time. Uh, eighth time, you can cancel them. Jesus replied, seven? No, hardly. Try 70 times seven. And which was like, you know, you did, they didn't grab for the abacus. He was making the point, like, a lot. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000 and he couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children and goods, hello, to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. 
Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Well, the servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 bucks. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. Well, the poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. And he had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other Dibba servants saw this going on, they ratted on him, giving a detailed report to the king. So it's not always true that snitches end up in ditches, okay? Just, just saying. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is gonna do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. And this is the idea. Forgiven people, forgive people. It's an instruction, it's an expectation, but it's also an empowerment that Jesus first forgave us and it's out of that gratitude that acknowledgement that we were guilty, we couldn't pay back. And Jesus said, I've got this. I'm, I'm canceling the debt. You're free. And then we go and do that. Freely we have received, freely give. Forgiven people, forgive people. Now, last thing, just really quickly. Next week, we're launching, uh, every year we teach on biblical perspectives on financial management, okay? Um, and uh, this year, we're launching our annual series on biblical perspectives on financial management. Next week, called 100. And uh, this is the three-week series, and this is the, the pattern that we, 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 we think is the best uh, understanding of what the Bible teaches about the priority and the order in which we ought to manage the 100% of whatever God blesses us with financially to give, save, live. So we're kicking that off next week. Steve Hall is going to be teaching next week, so that's great. Um, and yeah, I encourage you to be here uh, if you've been here before when we've taught on financial management, uh, do yourself a favor and don't pretend you know everything because there's always more that God wants to show us and teach us and use us and grow us in. So that's next week. Bring a friend, absolutely. This is the stuff that people get tangled up in knots about and yet it's also something that Jesus came to set us free from, like uh, everything that holds us back. So there you go. I'm gonna be here. Great. Okay, Louis. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.